Experience the magic of the holidays at the Bull Run Festival of Lights, Northern Virginia's largest drive-thru light show. Drive the festival route from the comfort of your car. Turn off your headlights and just follow the magical glow. Ooh and ah through the winter wonderland where it's always snowing and see the tallest light display yet. Purchase tickets today at BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. That's BullRunFestivalOfLights.com. Northern Virginia's largest drive-thru light show. Right now at Safeway, save on all your personal care favorites during the Buy 3, Save 3 dollar sale. During the Buy 3, Save 3 dollar sale at Safeway, buy three of your favorite personal care items like Dove Shampoo, Dove Antiperspirant Deodorant, Dove Men's Body Wash, Tresemme Hairspray, or Axe Shower Gel and save $3. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the People's Bishop and Pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 55498. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now, let's get into today's life-giving message. Listen to faith together. I am blessed because the life-giving message I am about to hear will change what I do. In Jesus' name, amen. So God, speak to us now. Do what you do when you do how you do it because you do all things well. We're open and we're ready to receive. We take authority over this atmosphere now and declare it is conducive in this building and online, God, for the majority of us are for a move of the Spirit. We cannot do anything absent the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit is, there is liberty. We declare we are free. We declare we have liberty and we declare that you're about to speak to us. Give us guidance. Give us direction. Answer every prayer today. In the name of Jesus, I pray that by the time this word is over, we'll be better than when we started. And we speak over our next 12 months of life. And we say our next 12 will be our best 12. Come on, you all. We speak over the month of May. And declare that this will be a month of manifestation for us. It will be a month where what we pray for, we'll possess. What we've sown for, we will see. Life and death are in the power of our tongue. And we shall use it to create what we see. Why? So that people will look at all lives and glorify our Father in heaven. Let them see us but give you glory. Let them see what you do for us but give you glory. And for that we say thank you. In Jesus' name, put a praise on it right there. Come on, I ain't playing with you people. I need you to put a praise on it right there. Hallelujah. Come on, let's go to work. Let's go to work. So our series is Takoon, or excuse me, Reality TV. Oh, almost got stuck. Let that be a lesson. Don't get stuck in your last season. Sometimes you can get so used to doing something that you get stuck in where you were and don't pay attention to the fact that you are not where you used to be. Can I make an announcement to somebody? What it was is no longer what it was. It's new. The Bible says if any man is in Christ, all things are made new. I need you not to look at life how you used to be, how it used to happen, how it used to go down, but make this declaration. Say, but I'm in a new season of life. Yeah, your last season was good to get you to where you are, but this new season of life is going to make what God has done look like it, it doesn't compare to what he's about to do. The Bible says he goes exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And I need somebody to hear me. You thought that he'd done amazing. Wait until you see what's getting ready to manifest for you. 
I need the faith on some of y'all's road to be stirred up. The Bible says as many as who received it gladly. These were the ones that saw the manifestation of it. See, you may look at somebody and say, why are they shouting? Because they're about to see it. You may look at somebody else and say, why are they praising? They're about to possess it. Your, your praise is, the response, uh, is an indication of your faith. I'll say it again. Your praise is an indication of your faith. For those of us that believe God's about to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask of things, put a praise on it right there. Hallelujah. 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 Watch me. So our series is Reality TV. We're using reality TV shows to teach biblical principles. Today's is one uh, called True Life. Anybody familiar with that reality TV show, True Life, True Life? Uh, it originally came on MTV, and they uh, were doing True Life, The Real Jesus. True Life was a series that covered 140-plus topics with a camera crew following people to see their true life. That's what we're going to do today with Jesus. We're going to take a camera crew, if you will, and we're going to go examine the life of Jesus. Watch this. Because when we see how he is, we'll see how we should be. And this is important. As many times you look at Jesus and you do not realize that the reason we read what he did is because it's an example for what we are to do. I'm not just reading about the Savior. I'm reading about how I am supposed to live my everyday life. I am not just reading about how he performed miracles. I am reading that I am supposed to be a walking, talking, breathing, living miracle. I am not just reading what he did. I am discovering what I am supposed to do. How do you know that, Bishop? First John 4, 17, because as he is, so also are we in this world, which means you will be the only Jesus some people ever encounter. And if you do not show them who he really is, you will have people thinking that he's some broke down, busted, messed up, jacked up, dusty road vagabond. That's not him at all. He is a triumphant king. He is a mighty gladiator and a warrior. They call him Jehovah Sabor. That means he is the God that fights for us. God is not some punk. He's not some wimp. He's not some jellyback. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the great I am. And if you see how he is, you'll see how you are supposed to be. Lay your hands on yourself. Say, when I see him, I'll see how I'm supposed to be. This is important because we have in America this Americanized Jesus. This Americanized Jesus is based on Americanized culture where, watch me, where it's not biblical Christianity, it's American Christianity, which in its origins was designed to suppress one group of people to lift up another group of people. Let's tell the truth in, this, in church today. If you do not see Jesus as he really is, what you will do is you will walk around begging when you're not a beggar, you're a son and a daughter. You will walk around living less than when you're not supposed to be less than. You're supposed to be more than enough. He is the God, please, y'all. He is the God that does exceedingly and abundantly, not less than, and I hope it works. Are you listening? All right, say, as he is, talk please, say, as he is, so am I. All right, now, listen, on Wednesday night, I told you that there's three levels of power. Um, the first is his name. The Bible says he's been given a name that is above every name, that out that name every knee should bow, right? But greater than his name, what did we learn on Wednesday, is his word. The scripture says he's exalted his word above all of his name, which is powerful because, watch this, instead of, you know, you ever got into a situation and all you could do is just call Jesus? And, oh, my God, Jesus, God. More powerful than that is following his word. If I follow his word, I walk in the blessing, I won't need a miracle. All right, all right, but more powerful than his word, what do we learn on Wednesday are your habits. Your habits can block 
his word from working for you. Consequently, we have many people who say, well, I just don't believe that God's powerful like that. I don't believe in the supernatural. I don't be- and, let me, and let me tell you, and, and that's fine. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But for those of us that can read, write, and do arithmetic, and for those of us, watch me, I don't even need to do that. For those of us that have lived long enough to have seen him do it for us, you need to go tell that lie to somebody else. You can go sell that to somebody else that he doesn't have power. You can't sell that to me. You can go sell that to somebody else that he's not still making ways and changing lives because you can't use that lie on me while I'm proof that he's still. I wish there were some people in this building that knew that you're the evidence. I, I, don't, I don't have to read about him doing it for somebody else. I've seen what he's done for me. So watch, so watch. Mark 7, 13, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition. Tradition there in the Greek language of our New Testament, it means rituals and habits. He says, you make the word of no effect because of your rituals and habits. So check this out. You can speak life. The Bible says that we should speak life. Life and death in the power of your tongue. John 6, 63. He says, the words we speak are spirit and they bring life. Check this out. You can speak life, but then walk out of church and go speak death. And your habit of speaking death has now made you speaking life of no effect. You can say, I'm walking by faith. You can say, I'm walking by faith. I'm trusting. You ever had a moment where you just feel, felt really strong in faith? You were like, I'm going to step out on water. And you vision yourself like Peter getting out of a boat and stepping on water. And you walked around looking like you were stepping on the water. And then under that. But then watch me. But your habit, watch me, of playing it safe. Your habit of playing it safe comes back in. So you go from walking on water to saying, well, let me just hold on to the rail just in case. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. I remember when I was a child, uh, I was a child in Memphis, and it was a pool party. It was a pool party, and, uh, and I couldn't swim. So watch me. So I was on the side of the wall, and I was splashing. My feet was back here. I was doing my little splash. The problem was is that I could not swim. So take this out. Somebody got the bright idea to throw me into the pool. Watch me. And I had to learn how to swim on the sp- on the spot. Check this out. I got a little water in my lungs, but watch this. I learned how to swim. Can I help some of y'all? You're like, God, don't you see that it feels like I'm drowning in this? He's like, but baby, notice that you haven't died. Notice that you're still here. Notice that you haven't given up. It may be a little rough, but you're learning how to Somebody say, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. So, so watch this. So if you speak faith and walk faith, but then your habit of playing it safe, your habit of going right back over to the corner of the swimming pool and grabbing the side of the pool because it's safe there. The opposite of faith is not fear. It is certainty. Because you want certainty, you won't do it unless you have proof. And now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Evidence is not the same as proof. It depends on how I look at it to determine what it is. See, you can look at one piece of evidence and that would prove to one person somebody's innocence. You can look at another piece of evidence and look at it and determine to another person that proves somebody's guilt. It all depends whether or not it becomes proof to you predicated upon how you look at your evidence. So you can look at resistance and say, "Uh, I don't know if God wants me to do it. Or you can look at resistance and say, that's my proof that I'm on the right path. Why? The enemy wouldn't be trying to fight me unless I was headed in the right direction. If the enemy never comes against you, that means you're walking in the same direction as him. Is there anybody in the building online that can thank God, watch me, that my resistance just proved I'm moving in the right direction? If you don't have anything coming against you, you must not be that good at anything. If you don't have anything coming against you, you must not be accomplishing something. I need to check this building. Who can give God glory? Watch me. Not for what's going right, but for what's not going right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
why I will bless the Lord when at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. He says, you make the word of God of no effect through your tradition. He's like, your dad was like this. His dad was like this. Your mom was like this. Her mom was like this. Your cousins are like this. He says, he says, it's your tradition. It's your paradosis is the Greek word. You know what I like about paradosis is because the first part of that word para, watch me, it it, it goes here. It's the same prefix as paralyze. Check this out. Check this out. So in other words, paralyzation means your movement stops. Paradosis means your thinking stops. It's so, it's what you're used to. You're so used to it, you won't even think that it's wrong unless somebody interrupts you and says there's another way to do it. See, you have your morning ritual. Your morning ritual, it's on autopilot. You hear the clock, you get up, you, uh, you do what you do, or you go back and forth with the clock and ask for 10 more minutes, 15 more minutes, 30 more minutes. Whatever it is, you have your ritual. You get up, you, uh, you yawn, you stretch, you do all of that. You put your feet down, all right, and then you do, you do what you do. You get up, you go in the bathroom, you brush your teeth, I hope. You comb your hair, I hope. You put on lotion, I hope. Listen, after you've bathed, I hope. Listen, check this out. Go with me, go with me. You don't even think about it because it's your ritual. I need you to catch that. Jesus says the reason the word doesn't work for you is because of the things, watch me, that you don't even think about. You didn't even think that, that, watch me, that not giving me glory was an issue because you're so used to sitting on me. That's what God says. You didn't even think that not praising was, was not an issue because you're so used to saying, well, I praise if I feel it. Now, realizing the Bible says, I will bless the Lord with at all times. I'll put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaven. Which means even if I don't feel like it, watch me put it on. You don't even think it's, you don't even think it's an issue not to serve because nobody in your bloodline has ever served. So you don't even think about serving like that. You don't think it's an issue not to be consistent because you've never watched anybody be consistent. But many of you, you just, you're the first one in your bloodline to be saved. The first one in your bloodline to give your life to the Lord. The first one, think about it, where you're watching church online. You're sitting at your laptop, throwing your hands up, sitting at your table. You're watching on your phone. You're watching in your cubicle. You're watching at your home. You're watching on your television. Think about it. You don't even think about what you don't think about. And Jesus says, that's the stuff that blocks the word. Not the stuff you think about. Because here's what we'll do. You ever had a day where you felt extra spiritual? Like, I did, I've been good today. Okay, I'm not the only one. All right, wave at me online. You ever, you ever had a day where you're like, I've been spiritual today. I prayed today. I didn't cuss nobody out today. I didn't even have road rage today. Listen. Let's be honest, 1115. I prayed today. I worship today. I listened to three messages today. In those moments, we sometimes feel like, okay, well, God, I've been spiritual today. So since I've been spiritual, you really ought to hear me today. Now, realize that the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. But, but watch me. The stuff you're thinking about, that's not even the issue. It's the stuff you're not thinking about that's the issue. It's your rituals. It's your habits. 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 And those are the things the Bible says make the word of God of no effect. But look at this next part. It says, which you have handed down. He said, so you got it from somebody and you gave it to somebody. Watch me, parents. This is so important you understand your assignment. They are not your children. You are stewards over them. You're managers over them. They belong to the Lord. The Bible says children are the Lord's inheritance, which means you are the manager. You are the steward. Be careful what you hand them. Because some of you all, let's be honest, you are dealing with stuff that somebody handed you that was never supposed to be handed to you. 
You were never supposed to be handed that, uh, that guilt. You were never supposed to be handed that condemnation. You were never supposed to be handed that sense of insecurity. Come on. You were never supposed to be handed that low self-esteem. You were never supposed to be handed that rejection and abandonment. They handed it to you because somebody gave it to them. He says, many things you've handed down. Watch this last part. And many such things you do. He says, there's a lot of stuff you don't think about. There's a lot of stuff that you're rich on your habit that you do not think about. I look more off to this side of the stage than I do any other side of the stage. It has always been like that since I have been preaching. I always look to my left more than I look to my right. Period. Point blank, bottom line. Now, now check this out. That's my ritual. That's my habit. No, no, check this out. Check this out. Uh, wh- when I come over here, I can feel that I came over here because because I'm not used to coming over here. I don't care what building I'm in. I don't care what stage I'm in. I don't care what city I'm in. I don't care what platform I'm in. I don't care if I'm in Montreal or Dallas or Houston or wherever I am at. I can promise you this one thing. I'm going to lean more to this side. I'm going to lean with it. It's my habit. And the only time I noticed it, watch me, is when somebody said, well, sir, you do know you always go to the left. Watch me. I said, no, I don't. It takes somebody else to point out your habit for you often to see that you have a habit. And can I tell you what today's message is going to do? It's going to point some stuff out to you to say, wait a minute, it's not the devil that's been blocking you, it's that habit. It is not your past that's been blocking you, it's that habit. It is not... Watch me. It is not your mama, your daddy, your cousin, your boss. Can I tell you something? If God be for you. Stop talking about what I got all of this against me. If God be for you, who would dare be against you? I just need to check the room. For those of you that know that God, watch me, is for you. Can you release a praise for three seconds? Go. Three. Hallelujah. Two. Hallelujah. One. So look, so look, so look. Our soul must be renewed from our habits to his habits. Here's what happens. When you become a Christian, here's sometimes what people think. I don't know why people think this, because the Bible never says this, but this is what some people think. Like, you, y'all grew up old school church. Just wave at me online, do the hand emoji. If you remember this, where they said, I looked at my hands, and they looked new. I looked at my feet, and they did too. I looked at mine, they looked the same. The inference of the song is that once I become a Christian, I don't look the same. I don't do the same. I don't have the same desires. All of that's a lie. You are a tripart being. You are a spirit. That's your subconscious mind. We live in a physical body. This is an earth suit. Got it? It's kind of like that movie Alien. Like this is a suit that we wear. Right? And then, and then you have a soul. That's your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. Contrary to popular belief, people will say, you know, we just want to get souls saved. It's actually not scripturally accurate because a soul never gets saved. A spirit does. That's the only part of your tripart being that has the ability. Watch me. The, uh, the gift of God is eternal life. The, the wages of sin is death. Check this out. Let me show it to you in scripture. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, 22. It says this. Put off your old self. Let me have that same thing from 9 to 10. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Let's go back to the, the last part so we can look at this. Say, put off my old self. Notice it didn't, again, I'm terrible putting the coat on. See, that's the problem. See, watch me. You don't even fit what you used to be anymore. You have trouble going around those same people in those same situations. Matter of fact, when you get on the phone, it almost feels like a high school conversation because you're like, we don't have anything in common anymore because that was the old me, but I am new. 
So, so, oh, you but oh, you zipped it up this time. Okay. Put off your old self. Say this is the old self. It didn't say that the old self got saved. It didn't say that the old self doesn't even have spiritual desires. Like the old self, the old self is not just gonna say, you know what? Come on, let's wake up and get in the word. No. The old self is not gonna say, come on, let's forgive who lied on us. No. The old self is gonna say, let's plot this clap back. I wish I had some honest people there. The old self is going to say, you know what? They clap once, I'm going to clap three times. They hop once, I'm going to hop three times. They slide to the left, I'm going to slide to the right. Put off your old self. That means, watch me, put off your lying, put off your lazy, put off your late, put off your undisciplined, put off, watch me, because your old self has desires. There's stuff we like. And you think it's a T.I. video, you can have whatever you like. The Bible says put it off. That means take it off, which belongs, watch me, to your former manner of life. This doesn't even fit you anymore. This is the war. The war is that you're overdressed now. This was appropriate in your last season of life, but this is not appropriate in your new season of life. Come on, y'all. This was appropriate when you were not saved, but this is not appropriate being saved. Let's go deeper. Now that you've been saved, this was appropriate as a young Christian, but this is no longer, you've been saved too long to still have this on. He says, watch me, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, which means this no longer even belongs to you anymore and is corrupt through what? Deceitful desire, which means what it desires, it lies to you and tells you that if you give me that, I'm going to give you this. So if you give me, can we go here? All right, there's no judgment, but I just got to teach, teach, right, okay? If you, if you fulfill a desire of your flesh, somebody holler a desire. Oh, no, a specific desire. Yeah, that's good, though. Y'all are ready. Come on, give me a specific one. Alcohol, okay? All right, here's the deal. If you just always need a drink, you drink. You're sipping on all kind of things. Scissor. <laughs> Just take the edge off. But why are you always close to the edge? Back up. All right. <laughs> now, now drunk, let's go here. Drunkenness is the sin, but, but, but the question is, why play with the flame? I just want to be clear about that. So drunkenness is the sin. All right, but, but what the Bible says, can a man pull fire into his bosom and not be burned? So like if you already know when you get around that person, you let your guard down. Y'all are looking at me. Come on. Then why did you even respond to the text? If you already know, watch me, let's go, because all the married couples are like, that's right, Bishop, tell them. Oh, no, I'm coming for you, too. Watch me. If you already know when, when you do this, this pushes his button. Matter of fact, it pushed the whole remote. Every button is pushed at the same time. Why would you even play with it? If you already know saying that to her is going to make her feel less than, why'd you even say it? You don't play with fire and then get mad that you got burned. I need some of y'all to quit playing with it. It's quiet at this 1115. That's okay, but I bet you, watch me, if you'll follow what I'm saying, your house won't burn down in May. If you'll follow what I'm saying, your life won't burn down over your next 12. You will never be the exception, and that's the deceit of the old self. You will be the exception. Like, just do it. But you, you know, 
you got grace, you got mercy. And it's deceitful. It'll lie to you. It'll tell you if you do this, you're going to feel better. The problem is you look like a Mortal Kombat character. You're overdressed for this season of life. Watch me. You, watch me. You don't hear properly. You don't see properly. Watch me. And you keep your head down so now you can't see properly either. Because it's your old self. Say, I release the old me. Here's the challenge many Christians have is that you fight to keep that because you're used to that. It's like, what was the cartoon with the blanket? Uh, Lionel. You, okay, Linus. Here, take, take, it, take it off and, and, and put it behind you. Right, there we go. There we go. Come on, firefighter. There we go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay, that's it. That's it. So here's the deal. What, what's me? It's dead weight now. But you carry it because you, you keep it. And just in case you need it. And God says, and God says, I need you to put that off. Look at the next part of the verse. He says this, he says this in the next part of the verse. He says this, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. He says, I need you to be, I want to reform your soul. Your mind is part of your soul. Your mind, thoughts, will, emotions. Right? He says, I need that to be renewed. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to reform that and renovate that. Two different things. Say reform. Reform, reform means there's some good stuff that I want to use. Like if you're a hard worker, I want to use that. I want to reform that from his glory. But then there's some stuff God is like, I want to renovate that. So, like, let's get rid of that. Like, watch me. We are not going to be having no, uh, uh, no fake countertops. It's quiet in the church today. Like, like we're not going to have, uh-uh, like, you're too mature to have that in your house. So we're going to renovate. And here's the thing about renovation is that renovation is messy. Say it's messy. Because the old and the new are in the same place at the same time. And for many of you, that's how life can feel sometimes, is you got the old you and the new you in the same place at the same time. But I need you to hear me say, that's the process. That Open your mouth and say it. Say, that's the process. That's Watch me. In the, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Go to the next part. Watch me. And to put on the new self. Stop. So he says, put it on. Does somebody else have a different jacket, different jacket, different jacket, different something? Overcoat. Something. Something. That's okay. It'll work. That's cool. It's different. That'll work. Thank you. Gracias. The Lord has need of you. Can you fit that? All right. Come on. Damn. Uh, watch me. Come on. Come on. All right. Watch me. Watch me. Say, say, say the new me. Say, I must put on the new self. Well, watch me. He says, put on these new habits that are created in the likeness of God. He says, put on God's habits. But how can I put on God's habits if I don't study his habits? That's what we're about to do. How do I know what to put on if I don't know what he had on? And, and the problem is, watch me, this fits a little different. Watch me, it even looks a little different. Because what you had on before, you were trying to hide. That's a parka. But what you got on now looks like you're ready to go to war. Come on here. Which means people will say, you're not the same you used to be. Baby, that's the whole idea. I'm not trying to be who I used to be. I'm not trying to act how I used to act. If any man is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. So watch me. He says, put on these, put on these new ones. It looks different. It fits different. This has got a slim fit on it. Which means you have to stay in shape. You'll catch it in a minute. You'll catch it in a minute. Which means I got to keep myself disciplined because, because, because if I don't keep myself disciplined, this won't fit me anymore. And I don't want to call my new my old because it doesn't fit because I got sloppy. 
I'm going to tell you, let 15, God is not adjusting to us. We must adjust to him. God is not changing for us. We must change our habits to fit his habits. And I know that's not popular in American Christianity. Because in American Christianity, you've made God in your likeness and in your image. And if you like it, well, then you justify it. It's, I, see how see? See? Say, Lord, give me your habits. Say it again. Say, Lord, give me your habits. All right, watch this. It says, uh, after the likeness of God, let's go to the next part. True righteousness and holiness. Watch this. Righteousness. Say right standing. All right, true righteousness and holiness. Here's what that means. It means that you right your wrongs. Now, check this out. Uh, if you're in right standing with your cell phone company, that means you paid the bill. That means when we call, we'll get you and not your assistant. You know about your assistant. The number of you dial isn't accepting. <laughs> that means you're in right standing with them. The same principle is true with God. God says, right standing with me is not perfection. Like many times Christians will set a standard God never set. Like you make one mistake. I can't go to church. I ain't going to church. I ain't serving. I ain't logging on. I ain't doing nothing. I ain't doing nothing. I'm going to sit at the house on Sunday morning and eat. And here's the problem with that. Say, here's the problem. The problem is that's not the standard he set. The standard he set is righteousness, which means I right my wrongs. So check this out. Check this out. Every Christian, here's the freedom we have. It doesn't mean we never do wrong. It just means when we do wrong, we right it. We take responsibility for what we did. We don't blame our mom, our dad, our cousin, our uncle, our auntie, our boss, our bishop, our uh, what. No, we take ownership and say, it was me. But then look at the next part, and holiness, say distinction, which means God says, when I see you, I see something distinct. There should be a difference between God's people and, quote, unquote, the world. Why do you say, quote, unquote, Bishop? Is because the reality is, is that um, uh, many times it's difficult to determine the difference. Like super quiet. All right? Because if you're too busy trying to be like, you will never transform. Which means I'm not trying to catch their trend. We create the trend, then they catch it. Let me give you, let me just give you proof. Let me give you proof that, that again, the world, non-believers, they have copied everything of Christianity. Let's just use a nightclub, for example. Let's use a nightclub. You get dressed to go. Got that from church. All right? All right? When you get in there, the people are dancing. It's a form of praise. The people are clapping. It's a form of praise. You ready? People are shouting. It's a form of praise. When you take a break in your dance, you move over to the bar where the bartender is serving spirits. You pay your tax, I mean, you pay your money. Got it? You, you, you do that in exchange for something that's supposed to make your experience more enjoyable. All that, all that is Bible. All that came from the Word. And then don't let your favorite song come on. You could be all the way over here, but when, you, when the beat drop, you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's my jam. 
all of a sudden now you're on the dance floor. Now you're clapping, lifting your hands, dancing, shouting. All right, all right, so, so check this out. Say, Lord, give me your habits. All right, so let's look at his habits. Let's take a look. Let's take a look real quick. All right, number one, the caliber. Thank you. Number one, the caliber. Say caliber. Let's look at the caliber of man that Jesus was. Four seasons we'll give you, and then we out. Four seasons we'll give you the caliber. That means the, the magnitude, the level of man that he was. All right, many times our uh, images of Jesus and the caliber of man that he was was that he's some suffering guy who just, just was beat down all his life and, you know, he died and so we could have life and he's just such a sad and lowly man. He, he just, he just, he just misunderstood. So then what we do is we reduce him down to a weirdo. But he's not. You reduce him down to somebody that was struggling. He couldn't even figure out his own stuff. Can I just ask you, what sense does that even make? Like, what sense does that even make? Like, what sense does that even make? Let's look at the caliber of man he is. Let's go here. Mark 6 and 3. Uh, is this not the carpenter? Carpenter in Greek, language of our New Testament, is the word tekton, which means builder. Which means he's more than a carpenter, he's a builder. He's more like a general contractor. A general contractor, what they do is they don't know how to do all of the specialties. What they do is that they will facilitate and oversee and bring all of the specialty uh, specialty uh, 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 skill sets. They'll bring those to the table. And I need many of you to hear me. There are certain things that, watch me, you don't know how to do. And can I tell you, in your next 12, you won't actually need to know how to do it. Why? You're a tecton, which means you're a builder. So you're going to bring the skill sets together. You're going to bring the people together that you need. And as you build, bring them together, it's going to build it and make it happen. For some of you, keep saying, well, I could do it if I have this. I could do it if I have that. Can I tell you, you have the tecton anointing. What does that mean? I can build it even if I don't have the specific skill set myself. Stop putting limits on yourself because you're a whole nother caliber of man. You're a whole nother caliber of woman. Oh, Open your mouth, say, watch me build it. But watch me. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So a few things I want to pull out. One, you'll notice Jesus had brothers and sisters. So for all of you who grew up Roman Catholic, this is why we don't call her Virgin Mary anymore, because she ain't no virgin no more. Joe got to work after Jesus came. He said, listen, I've been waiting for a long time. We've been married, and... Uh, why y'all getting quiet like y'all don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> all right, all right, all right, watch me. <laughs> Let's go. Watch me. Here's what they did. Here's what the next thing I want you to see is that the moment Jesus began to build, um, at age 30, Jesus now, he, he goes into full-time ministry, which means what he built was enough to sustain him when he had a career shift. And I need many of you to hear me. Watch me. Watch me. Never, ever make your life dependent on a job. Your, watch me. You, you, you do not make your living on your job. Your giving is how you make your living. Your job is a resource. It is not your source. And you're going to do so well that if you want to shift, you're not chasing a check. If you want to have a career change, I'm not chasing a check. So I'm not doing this because I need the money. I'm doing it because it's purpose. I'm not doing this because of a benefit.
benefits package. I'm doing it because it's what I'm sent to do. He goes into full-time ministry at age 30. Uh, according to Torah, you have to be age 30 to enter into the priesthood. So he goes in the ministry at age 30, and he hires 12 guys full-time. Everybody pay attention. He gets 12 guys who were busy working. He didn't find them in the unemployment line. Let me teach you a leadership principle on that. When you want something done, don't ask people who don't have anything to do. Ask people who have a whole lot already to do because they're going to be the ones that figure out how to get it done. That's why if you study your word, you'll find that a lot of the stuff Jesus gave, he gave it to single moms. Why? Because they already knew how to make stuff happen and how to get things done. They already knew how to have kids and cook and go to school and work and do church work and this and that. Got it? The Bible says there were Joanna and others that ministered to him. So, so pay close attention. So, so that's the next piece. But then notice, as Jesus is building, he shifts. His, he has a whole career shift at age 30. He goes into ministry, and when he goes into ministry, he has 12 guys that were busy doing something. These were full-time, and what they were doing, he brings them to what he's doing. This is important because many times, please understand, you will only reach for what you think you qualify for. And I need you to know in your next 12, watch me, the way you handled your previous 12, you qualify for an upgrade. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. I'm going to preach my own self happy. Don't reach low because you think that's all you can afford. I need you to reach high because you're a different caliber of person. You're a different caliber of man. You're a different caliber of woman. Even in your friends, stop reaching low. You'll reach low because you like to be the big one in the room. You'll reach low because you like to be the one everybody runs to. And can I tell you that if you're, the, if you're the best in your crowd, you're in the wrong crowd. You should have people around you that, that challenge you to be better. Jesus hired 12 guys that were successful in what they were already doing. Matthew, a tax collector, Pete, a tax collector excuse me. Peter had a fishing business. And you know what the truth is? The Bible says he had partners. So Peter had a partnership. He had an LLP, a limited liability partnership. He had a partnership. And Peter had other boats. Peter was making money. Peter was making income. Peter, the oldest out of all of the 12, uh, Peter had a mother-in-law. So Peter now has a whole different family structure than the others do. And what's amazing is he picks people that were busy doing things. For those of you who say, God, why did you wait until I got doing things and started doing things? Because God says, I wasn't going to use somebody that wasn't doing anything. Whenever I want something done, I use somebody that's busy. I use somebody that's got a lot on their plate because that means you know how to eat it all. You know how to handle it all. Can I rebuke you feeling overwhelmed? You're not overwhelmed. You just need to get used to the upgrade. When I rebuke you thinking that you can't handle it all, you can handle it all. The scripture makes it very clear. If he put it on you, that means you got this. Open your mouth and holler, I've got this. Come on. Say, because God's got me. Watch. Watch this. He goes into full-time ministry at 30 with 12 full-timers. The last piece I want you to see from the scripture. The Bible says this, that they begin to try to pull him down as he begins to increase. As he begins to increase, they begin to try to pull him down. How do they, what do you mean they try to pull him down? He when he goes into ministry, he's talking about, I am Yeshua, HaMashiach, the, Mo the Messiah. I am the first and the last. We just left your office uh, where you were, where you, were um, you know, doing your bills and stuff. So all of a sudden now, now you God in the flesh. 
let's just think about it from, from two perspectives. On one side, if somebody walked up to you that you've known your whole life and all of a sudden started talking big, you think, if you're a hater. <laughs> but for those of you that like to see everybody around you win, you look at somebody that starts talking big to you and say, it's about time you started talking right. It's about time you started realizing there was more in you. The Bible said, could anything good come out of Nazareth? Which means where he grew up, the, the word on the street was nothing good comes out of that city. Nothing good comes out of Denver. Nothing good comes out of, say, you, wherever you grew up. Say where you grew up. Say it, say it. Some of y'all scared like you don't know where you grew up. Did you not grow up? Are you aliens? <laughs> Some of y'all didn't say nothing. Like Chicago, Chicago, right? You got to be careful because especially, let's use Chicago, for example. We got a lot of Chicago fans. Especially Chicago because what they'll do is they'll make you think that a whole city is one block. They'll have you think, ooh, it's rough in that block. Don't make the whole city. Watch me. Many of you, you have called your whole life based on one experience. You've called your entire life based on one experience. Do not let one thing write the entirety of the world. They said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So, so, so this is a story where Jesus comes from, which teaches us another principle about the caliber of man he is because it didn't matter how he started. Like, a lot of us think, well, you know, God, you gave so-and-so, so-and-so to start. You gave them this to start. You gave my friend this to start. You gave this guy this to start. You gave them a building to start. You gave them this to start. You gave them this amount of money to start. And God is like, right, because they're a lesser caliber. <laughs> they needed the boost. <laughs> I was able to start you with less than and notice you've done more than. I who in the building and online can be grateful that God can trust you with lesser and you still turned it into something? I need you to know you're not sitting next to chump change. You're not sitting next to somebody that's a failure or a mistake. You are sitting next to a whole nother caliber. They try to pull them down. People trying to pull you down means it's indic indicative of the fact that they already see themselves as beneath. All right, all right, all right, I'm going to use you again. I'm going to use you again. All right, all right, all right, just for this example. And actually, I'm not even going to use me. You come. You come. Won't you come? All right, all right. What, who, what team is that? Oh, the Bears. Okay. Did they win? No. No, they ain't. I mean, last season. Oh. I used to be in the football, and then I wasn't. Listen. All right, so, 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 so you get low like you're trying to pull them down. All right, now you turn around going forward, like you're going forward. All right, now pull, pull his jersey. Pull his jersey. Because watch me. Because watch me. Here's the deal. Because they can't touch you, they try to touch what's attached. Y'all ain't listening to what I'm saying. They, they try to touch. Watch me. They try to get close to your family. Let's talk. They try to get close to your friends, to your family. Now, they, they can't touch you. They're trying to touch what's attached to you, and they're trying to pull you down. They say, well, isn't this Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph? They're trying to pull him down to make him come and like them. And I need you to stop letting people pull you down to make Open your mouth and say, I'm a whole nother caliber of man.
But watch me. Here's the mistake you'll make because in you doing this, I want you to pay very close attention to what Jesus didn't do. He never turned to address them. I need you to stop chasing lies from liars. I need you to stop chasing hate from haters. He never turned around to address them. Instead, he just kept it moving. In other words, you, gonna, you can try to pull me down, but you're going to do it from back there. You can try to lie on me, but you're going to have to do it from back there. I'm not turning around to address you. It's beneath me. Open your mouth say, I'm a whole nother caliber. I, thank you, gentlemen. Say it again. I'm a whole nother caliber. Look at this next thing. Jesus had a house. I want you to see this. That means he was an owner. There are certain things, there are certain things that when you have authority over it, I need you to catch this. When you have authority over it, it changes how you live, how you walk, how you talk. Why do I talk a lot about debt freedom? Because when you don't owe anybody anything, you walk different. Because I don't need none from you. I don't have to tap dance for you because you don't have enough to take care of it anyhow. Y'all ain't going to say that to me. All right, look at this. He had a house. Look at this. Uh, uh, in Mark um, chapter, or John, excuse me, John chapter 1, verse 38, they answered him, Rabbi, where do you live? Verse 39, Jesus replied, come and see. His house was so massive, watch me, that he allowed some of his early staff to come stay with him for a little bit. As they were transitioning, Jesus said, well, you just stay over there, Pete. You go over there. You, know, uh, you go over there. All right, because we're about to do this thing called Jesus Christ International Ministries. <laughs> L- let, me, let me make it very pragmatic. Watch me. Your capacity is such that many of you, you've always felt like, why do I have to carry more than everybody else? Because you're a builder, and builders need the capacity to be able to house more than just themselves. Not just literally, but emotionally. Not just literally, but watch me, spiritually. Not just literally, but philosophically. Not just literally, but in every aspect of you, you've had to always carry more. Who am I talking to? Is that anybody? Why? Because, 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 because your capacity has to be greater than everybody else's. Let's, let's push this even further. Jesus wasn't poor. He wasn't poor. Um, there was a woman who came in, Mary Magdalene. She breaks the alabaster box over his feet. And uh, Judas, who was stealing from Jesus, Judas was Jesus' CFO. He's going to pop back up in a moment. He was stealing from Jesus. And so uh, Judas was like, well, why did she put that perfume on him? She could have gave that to me. Uh, she. I would have walked into the meeting and Jesus would have been like, you smell good, Judas. What you got on? It was a gift. <laughs> now, check this out. Check this out. She sp- sprays all that or she bursts it on it over his feet, dries her feet with his hair, with her hair. And check this out. Um, Judas says, well, she could have sold this and uh, we could have made some money from it. We could have we could have fed the poor with that. Jesus says, the poor you have with you always me, you don't. Evidently, he didn't put himself in that categorization. That's important to understand. Because if you have the imagery that he was walking around struggling, questioned, then how is he going to bless you? All right, but let's go further. Here we go. It's, it's laid out pretty clearly here uh, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. That though he was rich, rich there in Greek means literal rich, right? There's no spiritual connotation to it. However, there is this. If rich, again, do not reduce this to cash, cars, and clothes. Because you can have cash, cars, and clothes and be crazy. What good is your money if you're nuts? And the only, the only way people come around you is you got to pay them. 
What, what good is your car if nobody wants to ride with you anywhere? What good if you, <laughs> yo, I think we get the point, all right? That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. All right, let's go to the last part. Let's go back for just a second. Uh, when did he become poor? On the cross. Let's think practically about what happened. So you imagine it, right? You see maybe visions of passion of the Christ in your head. You imagine them beating him and, and them putting the crown of thorns on his head and all that. But let's look at what practically happened. What happened practically? They seized his home. They seized his clothing. The man with his money for his ministry then ran off with it. He embezzled all the funds. You got it? Let's look at this real practically. Everything that he had built in one moment, everything that he had built in one moment is gone. Everything he had labored for in one moment, it's gone. Which means, watch the caliber of man he is. He lost everything in a moment. Watch me. And wasn't afraid to start back and bounce back. Uh-uh, uh-uh, Jesus the Christ. He lost everything in one moment. But that wasn't scary to him because I'm another caliber of man. And do you not know when he resurrected on the other side, the Bible says he spent 40 days with his disciples. And he did more in those 40 days than he did in the prior three and a half years. Read your Bible, please. Which means I got more done with less. Oh, my God. And I need you not to be afraid to start over. Don't be afraid to start over in a new city. Start over in a new relationship. Start over again. Don't be afraid to start over. Say, I'm a different caliber. I'm not afraid of starting over. He did more in 40 days. Watch me. That's not recorded. John goes so far to says he did so much in that amount of time, there's not enough books to record what he did. We saw what he did in three and a half, but his most impactful, nobody recorded. Can I tell somebody something? Your upgrade will not be televised. They're just going to see you on the other side of it. And you'll be able to say, this was nobody but God. This was nobody but the Lord afraid of a start over. That's the type of caliber person you are. Like, I'm not going to hold on to your trifling because I'm afraid to start over with somebody new. It's quiet in here. I, I'm not going to hang on to bad friends because I'm afraid I might have to go to lunch by myself. Can I let you in on something? It's cheaper that way. It's quiet in the church. All right. All right, look, we're almost done. We're almost done. We're almost done. All right, even with the thorn, he triumphed. This is the caliber of man he is. As he is, come on, let 15, as he is, come on, y'all type it on the screen on my digital campuses, as he is, Here, here's one of the other things that we do. When you're a different caliber of person, um, you view it like this. And so Jesus, everybody listen, you would think that Jesus would pick the best team. Like you think he'd pick all A, you know, like, like give me some A-team football players. Talk to me. It doesn't have to be playing now, but like in the past. Who? That ain't going to work. Pat Mahoney. Okay. Is that what you said? Aaron Maloney. Pat Mahoney. Don't want a baloney. Okay. <laughs> All right, everybody. Everybody watch. Okay, this, let me just make my team. This is my fantasy team. Let me make my team. I got the mic. 
forgot about this is my fantasy team. 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 So Peyton Manning, this is my fantasy team. You have your own and your seat. This is my seat. She said, you lost this bitch. <laughs> I like Peyton. I thought Peyton was amazing. I thought nobody had ever seen anything like that. I thought it was amazing. I like running back. I like Eddie George. But I also like Terrell Davis, Denver Bronco. I like Terrell. Terrell signed my $20 Landry's. I was like, you know, I like Terrell. I, I saw we were coming in the restaurant. We were going in and out. And I was a kid. And he was coming out. All I had was a $20 bill. I was like, well, you're going to sign something. And he signed that $20 bill. No. <laughs> I got hungry one day. And uh, <laughs> listen, you got to do what you got to do. Listen. I was in transitional seasons. <laughs> Pizza Hut got my money. Listen. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. So here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. So just imagine the best team plan. Best of the best that you can think of. Think of the dream team, the 92 dream team at the Olympics. You got Scotty. You got uh, 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 Shaq. You got Michael Jordan. Carl Malone and your mother guys. The best. Say the best. <laughs> Many times we wait until it's perfect before we make any progress. But you're a different caliber of person. You can take it in a broken state and still make progress with it. Like here's what you say. As soon as everything's lined up, then I'm going to start the business. As soon as everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, then my family's going to come to church. As soon as, as soon as all of this is done. Anybody else like that? I got to be honest. I was like that for a long time, but like I need it all right before I can make it work. But the truth is, it's never all right. It's all right. So look at this. Even with the thorn, Jesus triumph, I'm almost done. John 12 and 6. Judas, I told you he was going to come again. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, because he was a thief. I like John because John is petty. John is recording this. John writes his gospel many years after the others do. And John is recalling it. And as he's recalling it, he's throwing these parenthetical, uh, parenthetical insertations in the text. What does that mean? He's like adding petty comments like this one. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He was a thief. Well, when did they find out he was a thief? After this had happened. So John, when he looks back on telling the story, you ever told a story and you added your stuff to it? Come on, I can tell some of y'all. Y'all look like story adders. I can tell. You add all kind of stuff. Like, oh, my God, the line was around. The, it was four people in that line. and the, Everybody was there. They didn't leave no food for nobody else except those five plates. A little petty, a little embellishment. Fix it up. But because he was a thief as keeper of the money bag he used to take from what was put into it. Check this out. One of Jesus' top 12 guys on his full-time payroll, the guy whose one job is to count the money, he can't do that right. You'll catch it. You'll catch it. You'll catch it. Because many times you keep saying, God, I need all of this right before I can do anything. And you create this mental blockage that says, until this is right, I can't move forward. And I'm going to tell you, you're a whole other caliber of person. You'll be able to move forward even if that's not right. As soon as this is lined up, I'm going to submit the application. As soon as this is right. As soon as this is right. Once the summer's over. Once this is over, 
There's never going to be a perfect time to do what's right. You just got to do it anyhow. And even with a thorn, you're going to try it. Even with a thorn, you're going to try it. Last three C's, his consciousness. So I gave you one, the caliber of man that he is. Here's number two, his consciousness. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. He was like, literally, I don't want to die. It's going to hurt. Um, you know, I, literally, I have the power to shut all of this down. He says, nevertheless, everybody shout that word. Come on, can I get you to shout it real strong? Say it. What does that mean? Never the lesser, always the greater. Here's our consciousness, everybody. It has to be, I refuse to settle for the lesser. I always want the greater. We live in a culture where settlers are celebrated. Mm. But, but watch me. But you have to be the one that says, nevertheless, I will always reach for the greater. There's always more. There's always greater. There's always deeper. And it doesn't mean I'm not grateful. It just means that I'm reaching. It doesn't mean I'm not thankful. It just means that I'm reaching. Say, nevertheless. Not my will, but your will be done. His consciousness, the way he thought was, you know what? I'm not settling. You know what? There's more. How many of us can be honest that there's areas of our life where it can become easy to start settling? Watch me. Married couples, it can become easy to start settling because you're like, I got it now. I got it now. Where are they going to go? Listen. They got options. 21st century, the options on their phone. It's real. They ain't got to go far. They don't, they don't go nowhere. They don't have to leave the house. It's quiet in this church. All they got to do is swipe over, and they can have a whole nother relationship in a whole nother city with a whole nother somebody. Watch me. Watch me. In your finances. You, 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 thank you, Jesus. But there's more. In your serving. Say, I serve. Great. But there's more. In prayer. Do I pray? But there's more. There's always more. Say, nevertheless. Our consciousness has to be there. Last two C's, our conduct. Look at the conduct. We're almost done. We're going to shout. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus. That means look at him. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, there's several Greek words in the New Testament for faith. This one here is the word immuna. Say immuna. Not immunize. Say immuna. Uh, here it is. It means he's full of faith because he's faithful. Check this out. He's full of faith because he's faithful. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Stop. Jesus' conduct says, I will endure what I have to endure to get to where I'm trying to go. His conduct was such that if to get them saved, it requires me going to the cross, whatever it takes. Do you have a whatever it takes mentality for where you're trying to go, or do you have, I only got so much I'm going to do? It's quiet in here. The 915 did this to me too, so I was ready for y'all. Who for the joy that was set before him. In other words, say there's a reward on the other end. Human nature, here it is, is, is driven by reward. Driven by reward. Let me prove it to you. Um, pay this bill early, we're going to give you a reward to your kids. Have this room clean when I get home. Even though it's your room and you should keep your room clean. I hear the overflow, they should... So now you're rewarding. You're rewarding things. You're rewarding behavior. Can I be honest? A lot of what we say we do for other people, we actually do because it feels rewarding to us. You didn't do it for them. You did it because you wanted to feel good about what you did. It is quiet. Come on, stick with me. Let's go. All right. Check this out. Say, for the joy. 
So mm -hmm. watch his conduct. He says, there's a reward on the other end, which means I can endure the cross. I can endure the beating. I can endure the pressure. I can endure the shame. Despising the shame and, watch me, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, which means he clearly understood that my conduct has to be that there's a reward on the other end and I will do whatever it takes. Say, Lord, give me that spirit. Say, give me the whatever it takes spirit. Say, whatever it takes to get to the reward. That's what I'm willing to do in every area of my life. Come on, speak with some authority. Say, I will not be denied what you have already supplied. Which brings me to my last scene. We're out of here, level 15. His confessions, Romans 4, 17. In the presence of God, in whom we believe, he gives life to the dead. Check this out, guys. Everywhere you go, dead things should come to life. You should be the life of the office, the life of the party, the life of the, your role, the life of your section. Matter of fact, how do you know you're doing it right? Because people look at you and say, you're doing too much. No, you're just not doing enough. Everywhere I go, dead things are supposed to come back to life. People that were hopeless should have hope. People that were faithless should have faith. People that felt like giving up should say, I think I can go on a little bit further. That's the type of person you are. You bring people and things and situations back to life. And here's the last part. Who calls things, watch me, uh, uh, into existence the things that do not exist. Go back to the previous verse, please. Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that what? Do not exist. Oh, wow. Watch how Jesus operates. Jesus is not like, ooh, it sure is a mounted over there. That's what that's called. I'm speaking out of the it's a monitor, right? It's a monitor. Let's, let's show the actual monitor in the camera shot. There we go. Going way over there. Bam. Y'all see it? Y'all see it over there? Okay. So anybody can call it what it is. You're not walking by faith because you can call it what it is. You're not spiritual because you can call it what it is. The Bible says he calls things that are not as though they were, which means I'm not calling it like I see it. I'm calling it like I want to see it. This is why I often have you say so much. And I know some of you are like, oh, my God, I'm saying a whole lot. But that's because that's the way he works. His confessions were such that I'm not going to call it like I see it. I'm going to call it how I want it to be. Can I give you an example? He did not walk up, and y'all, we out of here. He did not walk up to Lazarus' graves and say, Lazarus is dead. Woo, he dead. Ooh, he's stinking dead. It's been three days. He's dead, dead. I mean, just woo, dead. Wow. He gone? Didn't nobody tell me nothing. <laughs> he didn't do that. You know what he does? He walks up on Lazarus's tomb. And when he walks up on Lazarus's tomb, everybody else is crying and hollering and screaming. You know, like that, that auntie at a funeral. It's all kind of extra. Everybody crying. Everybody making noise. And the Bible says, for a moment, watch me, he wept. Can I tell you what I like that? It's because even Jesus had a human moment. And for a moment, watch me, you may be in a weeping season. And weeping may endure for a night, but the Bible says that joy, joy comes in the morning. 
So because of the caliber of man he is, because of his conduct, and because, watch me, of his consciousness, he walks up on Lazarus's tomb, and he doesn't say Lazarus is dead. He says, Lazarus, come. In other words, he calls something that is not as though it was. And I need some of you to learn how to speak over your children, speak over your life, speak over your future, and call things that be not as though they were. The Bible says, let the weak say I am. Say my confessions. What are your confessions? We're done. What are your confessions? What are you saying? What are your confessions? Do you call it like you see it? That's a monitor. Duh. We didn't need you to tell us that. Be careful of people who are expert problem finders. But they are not problem solvers. That type of person makes my neck crack. See, it's good now. Because it's just me up here. Can I get everybody to bow your hands and close your eyes for just a second? How many of you this word spoke to you? Can I just get you to wave at me online? Just do the hand emoji. I want you to pray this prayer to seal this with me. Say, Father, seal your word in me today. I am your caliber. I have your consciousness. I'll pattern your conduct. I speak your confessions. As you are, so am I. As you are, so am I. That's good news because a lot of people have put labels on you. A lot of people have put stuff on you. But I need you to take all of that off as he is. Come on, say it, y'all. Say, as he is, so am I. In this building and online, can I get you to just close your eyes for just a few more seconds? If you're in this building or online and you need to become a Christian, today's your day. Secondly, if you've given your life to the Lord, you've not been faithful to him, today's your day to recommit your life to the Lord. And thirdly, I'd be like, Bishop, I don't know where things stand with the Lord, but I want to be sure. I want to leave this experience. I want to log off knowing that things are right with the Lord. I want to leave this building knowing that things are right with the Lord. If that's you, wherever you're at, on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand if you're in the building. Online, do the hand wave emoji or say, it's me. No guilt, no condemnation, no shame. God loves you. He 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 loves you enough to die for you. Today is your day. You've become a Christian. Recommit yourself, Lord, to be sure. Hands up in the building. Hand wave emoji or it's me online. One, two, three. If that's you, just respond right where you're at. Just respond right where you're at. I see you. I see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody, just pray this with me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place because of this belief, because of this confession. If this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. You love me unconditionally. I receive that love. I am saved. Now my soul, it needs some renovating. Give me the grace to change my habits, to match your habits, your caliber, your consciousness, your conduct, your confessions. You are the Christ.
Jesus' name, amen. Can I get you to, you can open your eyes and stand up close. Can I get you to text the word decision to 877-552-4746? Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to the number 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.